Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. A national day of action for workers at Starbucks. Jobless rate drops, more females taking part in the workforce. And today on the show, latest from Policy Matters Ohio and the Texas AFL-CIO. Welcome to the Monday, August 7th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Michael Shields. Michael is a senior researcher at a wonderful organization that has ties to organized labor. They're called Policy Matters Ohio. Website, real simple, policymattersohio.org. And we're going to talk about some new data showing that wage and employment improvements are not being widely shared. Yeah, the economy's doing well, much better than, especially during the pandemic, but it's not even. And the data shows three of Ohio's 10 most common occupations pay so little that the medium worker would qualify for food aid for a family of three, and in some areas, up to half, up to half of the 10 most common occupations pay so little that they have to go on government assistance. We're talking fast food workers, cashiers, retail salespeople, all paid too little at the medium to feed a family of three. These occupations collectively represent about 372,000 workers in the state of Ohio. The COVID-19 pandemic had major implications for working people in Ohio. By April of 2020, Ohio lost over 800,000 jobs. Now, a lot of those jobs have come back, but again, the pay is atrocious along with the benefits. So, Michael, we'll talk about that as our first guest. Then we're going to go to the state of Texas and join a dear friend. He's been on the show a number of times. Len Aguilar is his name. He is the first Latino to hold a top office in the Texas AFL-CIO. He serves as uh, Secretary Treasurer, TexasAFLCIO.org is their website. They uh, currently have about uh, 235,000 members in the state of Texas. We are teachers. This is right from their website. We're teachers, firefighters, farm workers, actors, engineers, pilots, public employees, painters, plumbers, steel workers, and screenwriters, doctors, nurses, stagehands, electricians, and more. We work the early shift. We work the late shift. We are the unemployed. We are the students. We are retirees. Texas AFL-CIO. We're going to talk about uh, the legislature there and what they failed to do, especially for uh, construction workers and farmers and farm laborers. The governor in June signed into law a piece of legislation that will not, let me repeat that, will not allow workers in the field to get a 10-minute water break every four hours. And doing the math on that, they're talking 20 minutes over the course of a full eight-hour day. Now, this goes against what the city of Austin and Dallas recently did. They said, you know, workers, it's, it's ridiculously hot. In fact, the heat index in June was 125 degrees. You'll see that all through the Southwest. And workers are not getting any relief. It's a pro-business state. 
As a result of this, uh, a workers' rights organizer who found his way to Congress, U.S. Representative Greg Kassar, what Greg was able to do, he decided to go to Washington and start a thirst strike. He didn't drink water all day, and he got a lot of people to go along with him. More than 100 congressional Democrats actually got together on on behalf of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, and they all uh, signed a letter calling on the Biden administration to move immediately and implement a national occupational safety and health administration workplace heat standard that would apply in all states, including Texas. Now, shortly thereafter, President Biden, he didn't go that far. He did announce new actions to protect workers from extreme heat. And what essentially what he called for is the first ever hazard alert for heat. Now, these alerts are used by the Department of Labor to provide guidance to employers. There's no sanctions involved. It's just saying this is what you need to do because it's 125 degrees out there. So Len is going to talk about that and more on behalf of the Texas AFL-CIO. And now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You could find more at BoydWatterson.com. Starbucks workers in their organizing the monster coffee chain have a new twist for their latest National Day of Action, which, by the way, is today, August 7th. Have customers adopt a store, a non-union store, that is. Starbucks Workers United, the service employees affiliate, which is aiding the workers' grassroots nationwide unionization campaign, want the customers to start leafleting on their behalf, but at stores where Starbucks and its bosses are resisting the union. Comment here from the uh, union, despite the power workers built and our eagerness to engage with the company, Starbucks continues to use whatever tactics they can think of to get in the way of workers' efforts to make improvements in our workplace. Well, now it's time for Starbucks customers and allies to join the fight. Now, allies and customers who adopt a non-union store, more than 340 are unionized out of 3,000 total, would distribute flyers to customers and passers-by by explaining the workers' campaign for decent pay workers' rights, sane schedules, an end to favoritism, and for respect on the job, not to mention bargaining a contract. August 7th is just the first in a series of national days of action to activate customers and allies to hold Starbucks accountable and demand the company lives up to their progressive values. Together, we'll send the message that we won't let up until Starbucks quits union busting and starts respecting workers' rights. Starbucks Workers United says. By the way, the adoptions are scheduled for a carload of Starbucks stores in Manhattan, several in Brooklyn, one in Chicago's LaSalle Street Financial District, several in New Jersey, one each in downtown D.C., Pittsburgh, downtown St. Louis, and downtown Minneapolis locations. And uh, more are signing up as we speak. Hiring roughly held steady in the month of July as employers added 187,000 jobs. The unemployment rate actually dipped from 3.6% to 3.5%. Average hourly earnings, they rose 14 cents to $33.74 an hour. 
In July, healthcare led job gains with 63,000. Financial activities, construction, they both added uh, 19,000. Leisure and hospitality adding 21,000. Professional and business services, another large sector that typically powers employment growth, actually shed 8,000 jobs. And manufacturing lost 2,000 jobs. That prompted a comment from one of our partners on the show, Scott Paul, on behalf of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Scott said, while public investment is boosting many manufacturing sectors, the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes have brought net job creation in factories to a halt. And it's clear that the Fed's inflation-fighting campaign should swiftly come to an end. He went on to say, without the favorable climate for new factory construction made possible by federal investment in infrastructure, clean energy, and semiconductors, manufacturing's outlook would be decidedly worse. Now, the jobs data for July shows another month in which women's jobs on payroll grew much more strongly than men's. Now, out of that number, 187,000, women added 143,000, 76% of the total job growth. Interesting. By the way, the uh, Washington Post reports that this year, 2023, has been among the busiest years for strikes in three decades. Strike in Hollywood writers and actors has been most visible, but baristas, housekeepers, grad students, among many others, have contributed to the growing numbers. And uh, workers are striking, and more of the public, by the way, supports unions than any other time, any time since 1965. One veteran of the labor movement, Dave Camper, penned an article last week explaining why, for the first time in my 27 years in the labor movement, so help me, I think I'm an optimist. Why does he say that? The reason for Camper's optimism was the Teamsters' tentative agreement with UPS, which he says represents a real, sustainable improvement in the working conditions of 340,000 UPS workers. He points out UPS put $30 billion in new money on the table. This may very well be the best and most important contract win of the 21st century. How about that? All right, quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Policy Matters Ohio. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, 
who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, line number two right now. And joining us on the show is Michael Shields. Michael is a senior researcher at a wonderful organization called Policy Matters Ohio. Policy Matters Ohio. Dot .org is their website, and they have very close ties to organized labor. And we, we talk on this show so many times about jobs, the importance of good jobs with good pay, good benefits. It's so important because there's a lot of crappy jobs out there. And I think the pandemic cast a light on this. I, I don't think that. I know it has because a lot of people that were in those jobs are saying, you know what? I'm sorry. i got to do better than this. But there's still a lot of people in those low-paying jobs. Michael Shields, welcome to America's Workforce. And I guess you did some research on this, and you've got some data to share with our listeners. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here with you. So uh, we looked at the most common jobs uh, here in Ohio and in uh, local communities across the state. We looked at all the MSAs as well. Um, You know, we've been looking at this for, for a long time now. Um, We know that everybody who works deserves to be paid a wage that meets the cost of living and honors the value of their work. Um, But for many years, um, among the most common uh, top 10 jobs in in Ohio, uh, in in the state of Ohio, um, six of those were paying the the median worker. That's the one in the middle. So half were paid less, half were paid more. Um, Six of them, uh, all the way through 2019, were uh, paying so little that that typical worker would qualify for uh, food aid for a family of three and likely depend on food aid. That's pay below 130% of the poverty level. Uh, as of this most recent year, uh, we've got data through 2022, uh, just three of the top 10 jobs fall into that category, um, but still a whole lot of folks um, being paid uh, less than uh, the, the food threshold, uh, the food aid threshold, so really close to poverty, uh, in about seven, uh, well, a total of seven of those categories paying uh, so little that the person would still be in economic precarity. That's less than 200% of the poverty level. So the bottom line, if you're paid so poorly, the government has to pick up the tab. So taxpayers are picking up the tab, and that's been going on for years. Can you run down the occupations we're talking about here that are 
that are not paying workers fairly? So that's fast food and counter workers. Uh, they're paid about 103% of the poverty level. That's less than $24,000 uh, for those folks. Um, cashiers are paid uh, about $25,000, 110% of the poverty level. And retail salespeople are paid uh, just under $29,000. Um, you know, and one of the things that really changed, because we have fewer folks who are paid so little um, among the most common jobs in the state, part of that is because wages have gone up a little bit. And they've gone up across the board. That's really a good thing. Uh, the the median wage for the typical Ohio worker has risen by about 7.1%. This is since 2019. We looked at it as the, the most recent comparison year. Um, that's uh, net of inflation. So uh, wages have gone a little bit faster than inflation. We haven't seen that for a really long time. So it's, it's, it's good to see. Um, but uh, the other thing that we've seen is simply that some of the really low paying jobs got displaced. And, and that means that, uh, you know, some of the lowest paid workers and people who had the, the least uh, available resources to really withstand a setback were the people who experienced job loss. We don't see waiters and waitresses in the top 10 anymore. Uh, they've dropped down to, to 14 because um, we're still missing quite a few jobs in, in that uh, industry. Those folks make $11.25 an hour. Uh, home health aides have fallen out of the top 10 for the, the state of Ohio, um, you know, because we've got few, fewer folks uh, working in that industry. Um, I think that's a lot of, uh, you know, people uh, seeing better opportunities in, in uh, jobs that uh, themselves are, are not super lucrative, but home health aides are only paid $13.19 uh, an hour. Um, so some of the reason that uh, we've, we've seen some progress in this list, uh, at least when we look at the top 10 jobs, we have seen some real wage growth. That's good news. Um, but we've also just, um, you know, seen job losses among, uh, you know, some of the, the jobs that uh, paid the very least. The study also took a look at the recovery here following the pandemic. We had that shutdown of three years ago. And, uh, and I know some states did better than others. How did, uh, how did the state of Ohio handle the situation? I mean, did, did you do like a city by city area, rural areas? Did that show up in your survey? We looked at the metro areas and um, Ohio has recovered all of the jobs that uh, we've lost since uh, COVID-19. Um, you know, we're back to the, the level that we were at um, and have added about 3,500 jobs as compared with February of 2020. That's the last month before the uh, stay-at-home order that Governor DeWine issued, um, you know, as, as uh, really was necessary to, to protect people from the, the public health crisis. And so we just, as of May, uh, recovered those jobs. We're going to get new numbers on that um, for uh, June. But uh, we, uh, that was really concentrated in Ohio, at least, uh, to certain regions. So Columbus uh, is up almost 32,000 jobs, uh, the Columbus region. Cincinnati has uh, added almost 3,100 jobs, and the Springfield metro area has added 1,000 jobs. Every other region in the state is still uh, not quite back up to, to the level uh, that we were at before uh, COVID-19 uh, shut down a, a lot of jobs. The The biggest shortfall is still in the Cleveland area. They're missing almost 29,000 jobs. Um, but uh, the majority of Ohio communities are, are still not quite back uh, to the, the level of jobs that we had before COVID-19. 
I see in the uh, press release that we're speaking with Michael Shields, senior policy researcher for Policy Matters Ohio, and you're quoted as saying a full recovery from the pandemic must include people of all backgrounds. That starts with paying all Ohioans a wage that meets the cost of living. And there's a there's a list of policy recommendations to support working people. Can you run down some of those recommendations? And I, I'm, I'm hoping that they would go to the state legislature here. I, I know we have a minimum wage in the state of Ohio that is indexed to inflation, but we're still we're still far, far below where we should be. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. You know, uh, we have a minimum wage in Ohio of $10.10 per hour. Uh, so that's above the 725 federal minimum wage, but it's still far too little. Um, you know, w- working people have really lost ground. The minimum wage at its highest level way back in 1968, if, if we had simply kept pace with inflation since then, uh, the minimum wage would be about $14 an hour. Um, you know, Ohio voters later in uh, 2006, very wisely, when they raised the minimum wage, did index it to inflation. So uh, the lowest paid Ohioans are no longer losing ground, but they lost a whole lot of ground before that happened. Um, as I say, about uh, we'd be at, at right around 14 if we had just kept pace with inflation. If the lowest paid workers had, um, if their pay had risen at the same rate as the overall economy, which, did, you know, wages used to track um really closely with uh, GDP, gross domestic product growth. That's that's the overall wealth that um, workers primarily are, are producing. Um, the minimum wage would be well over $20 an hour uh, today. So uh, certainly too low. Uh, we do have a ballot initiative that um, I, folks are, are circulating in Ohio right now that would raise the wage to $15 an hour. Um, you know, certainly – Getting up to 15 would be a great step. Uh, we've looked at that number. Now, the the labor market, is it looks a little bit different uh, since we most recently looked at this number. I'll probably be doing some update research. But um, most recently when we saw this, um, we found that about 1.5 million Ohioans would benefit from a $15 minimum wage. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we make a lot of policy recommendations. I just put out a report. Um, and this is really like certainly uh, applies to Ohio. I think it applies more broadly um, as well. Uh, that's the the new way forward that came out on International Workers Day, May Day, um, mm-hmm. and it includes we need to pass a minimum wage that meets the cost of living um, and and really respects the value of work. Um, we also need to make sure that we're paying people for all of the hours that they work. We see. Uh, a lot of instance of uh, wage theft uh, here in Ohio. We know that um, about 213,000 people are not paid uh, at least the minimum wage who are supposed to be paid uh, at least that much um, every year. Uh, the Economic Policy Institute has also looked at this question for the nation and found that uh, wage theft exceeds the uh, uh, losses from property crimes, things like burglaries, robberies, car thefts. Um, so it's, you know, it's tremendously costly. Um, we've got to make sure that people are classified properly. Uh, we should be ensuring paid sick leave. Um, and, you know, one thing that we really need to do, um, because a lot of times people really face poor working conditions that aren't necessarily illegal, um, is we've got to protect people's right to join or form a union. Oftentimes that's the best recourse that people have on the job. 
uh, to, to deal with job quality issues and to secure a, a more fair workplace. Well, you know how to speak to a union show, brother. <laughs> I love it. Go union. You want to raise those wages and benefits. Yeah, the stats bear that out. If you're in a union, you're about 20% higher in in pay, and the benefits are a whole lot better. Michael Shields, senior researcher at Policy Matters Ohio. Do check out that report, policymattersohio.org. You also can check out that new way forward that he referenced about recommendations to uh, move the needle in the right direction. Michael, thank you so much for the research. Stay in touch with us, okay? Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Len Aguilar, Secretary-Treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without ironworkers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained ironworkers and 20,000 apprentices, the Ironworkers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Ironworkers, the sky's the limit. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast, by the way. This next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to our live line. And joining us is Len Aguilar, who is the Secretary Treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO, texasaflcio.org, State Federation of Labor Unions, representing 235,000 members in Texas, advocating for working people in the political and legislative arenas. And I'll tell you, the legislative arena is not an easy one to navigate, and Len knows that all too well. We're talking about excessive heat, heat indexes of 125, in some cases 130, and you try to give workers a break. 
just a a 10-minute rest break. No, 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 no. Can't do that. They got to work through it. They can't even drink some water. Take some time out. And people are dying around the country because of what's going on. Len, welcome uh, back to America's Workforce. Thanks for joining us today. And we've been hitting this issue pretty hard. I could only imagine what the Texas AFL-CIO is doing down there. So why don't you walk us through the process here and tell us what your dear governor has signed into law. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we appreciate the the opportunity to to be with be with y'all again. And our our dear governor Greg Abbott here, the the mayor of Texas, is is at it again. And he is he is uh, he and the legislature have just been working on this Death Star bill uh, to do away with local control, basically. And one of the biggest things and and one of the biggest things is taking away rest breaks and water breaks from for construction workers and workers in general. And it's just something that uh, our team, our great team at the Texas AFL-CIO and many, many others uh, across the state have been working on along with uh, many other community allies uh, because we understand that, that the local community knows what's best for their area and that this bill is so far reaching and, and so broad that we're not even sure how bad it actually is. We know what we see right in front of us right now of taking away just like, like we were saying, water breaks and rest breaks, but there's so many other things that we we are not sure of how bad this thing can be. And it's something that we are definitely, definitely still fighting and, and have not stopped the fight uh, to protect workers in the state of Texas. And Len, why don't you explain why they went this route? Because uh, what is it? Dallas, and Austin, they the city councils in those two cities said, "Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna give the workers a rest break." But they said it, it wouldn't be uniform if the contractor was doing work in other cities. So they said that if we do it maybe statewide, it's a possibility. But then they they nix that. Can you explain that part? It, it's I can try, but it, it just really doesn't make sense. It's just, it's a pro business agenda, just point, point, point blank. And then that's what they're wanting to do is just take care of the business industry and, and, and companies and businesses that do not want to take care of the workers and make sure workers have the, the safeguards and the securities, you know, just a safe working condition uh, when they go to work. And that's something where Austin and Dallas have been able to pass over the last few years, a rest break, water break ordinance, 10 minutes for every four hours of work, uh, which isn't a lot, um, you know, especially with this excessive heat that we're in this summer. And I mean, every summer is hot and it's difficult to work outside or work in a factory or work out in the field. It, it is just a, di- it's a difficult environment to work in. And 10 minutes for every four hours is not a big thing to ask for. And if these businesses and these companies and these owners can't understand that, and these legislators can't understand that, then, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because it is putting the workers, it is putting the workers that build this state, it is putting the workers that run this state, it is putting them at risk. And they are actually, I mean, I hate saying it, but I mean, workers are actually dying. Workers are getting sick. This is how it all started because of a construction worker many years ago who, who passed away on the job from, from, from the elements, from, from it getting too hot. And, and, our leaders here, our elected officials who run this state, starting with with our with our governor all the way down into the into the House and into the Senate, don't seem to give a damn about the workers that that run this state. 
And even though you presented your case, they what did did they react to that? Did they say, okay, well, we don't think it's that bad? I mean, how how did they answer? How did they answer this, Len? It, it is it. The answer is just about business and trying to make it a a, a pro business. They keep talking about the Texas miracle. They keep talking about the business and and te- the Texas miracle. And this isn't a miracle. This isn't the Texas nightmare. This is a nightmare for all workers across the state of Texas. Texas is the deadliest state in construction, and there are no safeguards. And that's something that we know, and that's why we are asking for help. That's why we were asking to 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 at least keep a 10-minute break for construction workers. There doesn't seem to be any regard for the workers in the state of Texas. And I'm hoping this now will start to wake up a lot of the people in the state who do not pay attention to politics to show how they are not cared for. They are not even a consideration when when the Texas legislature is in session. And this is something that we all need to take, we all need to, to pay attention to because they are they are taking these steps to do away with workers and their and their their rights, their dignity and their rights on, on the workplace. Well, fortunately, some people are not taking this lightly, and uh, we talked about this on the show just a couple of weeks ago. One of your uh, representatives, Greg, it's Kassar. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, that's it. Okay, and I guess he's a former workers' rights organizer and uh, also was a member of the Austin City Council. And yes. uh, why, why don't you tell me what happened here? I guess he started a, like a thirst strike. Is that right? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, the Congressman Kassar, uh, he and his office called a few weeks ago and were, were coming around with the idea. And they got a hold of Anna uh, Gonzalez, our deputy director of politics and policy, uh, who was on y'all's show a while back. And they used to work for the same organization, uh, Workers Defense Project in Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. And, and the idea of this thirst strike came about and he asked if we would support, and I mean, whenever the congressman asked, I mean, we're 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 there. We're going to support and we're going to help. And we were fortunate enough to go up to to D.C. and do this on the steps of the Capitol and have workers from across the state of Texas get up there, which was that much more impressive. But it was even it. it what brought so much attention to it is that you had so many, uh, so many elected officials, so many Congress Congress people from. Uh, from across the country show up to support this freshman congressman from, from Austin and San Antonio uh, about this issue and this thirst strike. And this is the way that the event worked out is what they did in, in Austin city council over 10 years ago. They did it at the city council chambers in Austin, Texas with mm-hmm. the same thirst strike. And now he's taken this and he's taken it up to Washington, DC and to bring attention and to bring eyes onto the issue about trying to protect workers and trying to make sure we have safeguards for work. And we can't, th- we can't thank the Congressman enough for, for him doing this and putting himself out the way he did, because we were there and it was hot. We were able to get a drink of water. We were taking drinks and we were getting off to the shade. Um, and the Congressman wasn't, he was there talking to, to every single person that came up, every single uh, congressman or congresswoman that came up, there must've been over 20 of them that came up to support and show their support and speak to the crowd. And we were there for, for, it seemed like an eternity, but I think we started around nine o'clock or 10 o'clock and we finished around five uh, thirty or so. And during that whole time, he, he did not have a drink of water and was, was doing uh during interviews uh, throughout the day to show and to bring attention to this issue again to what our state legislature 
is doing against workers, but not just for Texas. We he was trying to bring this uh, to the national stage, obviously, right. and asking for for help from the Biden administration. And it was, we were just fortunate um, that the Biden administration came out later that week and and addressed the issue and talked about the issue. Obviously, we still have we still need help. There are no state or federal laws that require rest breaks or water breaks, but that's something that we're hoping that can get started now. We were able to do this over 10 years ago in Austin, moved up, up to Dallas, Texas, and um, was try- we're trying to get this throughout the state in different areas, again, with local municipalities that, that know what's best for their local area. And now this is just taking it to, to, uh, to another level and, and hoping we can get the federal government to, to act and help protect workers as well. So what you could not do in Texas, you're trying to do on the national stage. And I talked about that on the show, Len. Uh, what, uh, what the Biden administration did is announce that the, uh, the DOL, the Department of Labor, will issue its first ever hazard alert for heat. Now, hazard alerts are used by the department to provide guidance to employers on how to comply with their legal obligations. They do not create new standards or legal obligations. So I guess the best way to look at this, what the administration, it was a step in the right direction, but we obviously need more. We need some teeth in this, right? No, without a doubt. That is, that is exactly what we need. And and it's going to be, you know, it's, we're we're taking the, we're, we're, we're taking the steps towards that. And, that's what we're hoping for with with the administration that is in place, the 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 worker friendly, the union friendly, the union friendly. I mean, uh-huh. the, President Biden is not afraid to say the word union. And that is something that um, we are trying to to hope that, you know, we are hoping that that he will, uh, you know, take the suggestions or listen to us on this. And it's not just the union issue. Let's be clear about that. This is a worker issue. This is workers across the country. These are the workers that are building our country. These are the workers that are, that are fixing our roads. These are the workers that are putting food on our table. We just need to make sure that we are taking work, taking care of workers across this country and across this state. And that that's it. We are looking for teeth. We need teeth. We need, we need to be able to have some type of, some type of, uh, um, some type of uh, teeth to, 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 these, uh, to these announcements that are coming out. We just can't be talking about it. We just cannot continue to just do what we've, what we've always done. We need, to, we need to take it to the next step. Well, the White House noted when they made that announcement that more than 400 workers have died due to environmental heat exposure since 2011. Thousands more hospitalized every year. Exposure to extreme heat can cause heat stroke, heat exhaustion, and cramps. You know what I would like? I'd like some of these lawmakers to go work in a field or work in construction in one day and see how long they last. <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be a sight, don't you think? No, for sure, for sure. And I think it was I think it was Congressman uh, uh, Joaquin Castro from San Antonio who actually who at this thirst strike last week or a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry who had mentioned uh, Governor Abbott and asked him just to, just to go without water inside the governor's mansion. Just don't take a drink of water. You go ahead and stay inside, stay in the air conditioning, and, and, and try to go the whole day without taking a drink yeah. and see how, how you feel. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a basic human right 
it, it is just a basic human right. And we are, we at the Texas AFL-CR are going to continue to work with our allies and continue to work with community partners. And, and we're going to continue to fight. And, and we are going to find ways to be able to, to protect workers and try to continue to protect workers. And again, this isn't a union issue. This is a worker issue. And this is something yeah. that we are definitely going to keep doing. Well, you got a lot of support, that, including one of our senators here in the state of Ohio, Sherrod Brown, was one of the uh, the senators that signed on to this, urging the Biden administration to do something, which eventually did happen. And uh, I want to reference here National Nurses United, great group that started out in California years ago. They reminded members of Congress and the administration, and this is monumental, heat kills more people annually in the U.S. than hurricanes, tornadoes, and flooding. It, when I saw that, I go, no, you're kidding, but that's a fact. Heat kills more people than hurricanes, tornadoes, and flooding. Now, they get all the, the, the news when, when you see a hurricane hit, obviously, for, for, for good reason. But this is something that, is, that it happens every day. A farm worker dies, a construction worker. It doesn't make the national news. But when you add it all up, that's what we're talking about here on the show. Len Aguilar joining us on our live line today. He's secretary treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO website. Website is texasaflcio.org. We'll continue the conversation right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. 
when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. One of the many unions and community groups fighting issue one, vote no on issue one, and that election is tomorrow. You can learn more at unionstrongohio.com, unionstrongohio.com, which uh, pretty much would take away one person, one vote in the state of Ohio. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin Len Aguilar. Len, by the way, is the first Latino to hold a top office in the Texas AFL-CIO, and he is the second San Antonio plumber following in the footsteps of Hank Brown, a legendary president during the 1960s, a history guy here. Uh, Len began his career in labor as a pre-apprentice with the United Association of Plumbers and Pipefitters. That would be Local 142 in San Antonio. Len, I, I meant to ask you this earlier. How is uh, 142 doing in San Antonio right now? I'm sure you keep in touch with their, with your brothers and sisters down there. Can you give us an update real quick? Yeah, San Antonio uh, San Antonio is doing great. Um, San Antonio is uh, is is booming. We are we are we are grateful for for all the support that the that the administration is is uh, giving with with uh, all the work that's happening. And I mean, it's not just San Antonio, but it, it's across the state of Texas, which obviously I'm more familiar with. Uh, I know there's stuff happening all over the country, but. We are, I guess you can say how they say, we, we're just busy. We, we just have too much work, I guess, is, is what's going on. And that's always a good problem to have. And hoping to, to be able to, to just continue this trend for, for the next few years. Uh, yeah. everybody, everybody's doing great. Everybody's doing great. Thank you. And, and isn't it ironic that uh, a lot of the work that's happening in Texas and many other of the southern states that are right-to-work states – is coming from the Biden administration in all the policies, the the Chips and Science Act, the bipartisan infrastructure law. Do, do the folks realize that this is Biden's policies that are bringing all the work down there? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we we could we could talk about it for for days, I think, and and trying to get people to understand how this is actually happening. But I, I think a good chunk of the folks, a good chunk of the members, understand how this is happening. But still, there's going to be. You know, politics is 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 difficult. It, having a conversation about about politics, and especially after the this the president before President Biden, he he screwed things up pretty good. And and people are not um, people are not willing. A lot of people are not willing to work with each other. Are not even willing to listen to each other. And I, and that is something that we have to get back to. We're not always going to agree, right? I mean, we're we're right. going to have disagreements on how we how we do things, but but we have to work together. And that's something that we are trying to do here at the Texas AFL-CIO and or Local 142, my home local in San Antonio. We're trying to work with everybody that we can to, to take care of our, you know, take care of our community, take care of our families, take care of our, our local and, um, and our unions. And that's something that, you know, we, we have the opportunity right now in front of us to, to be able to put a lot of people to work, bring a lot of people into the ranks and uh, with all the different opportunities that are out there. And, and that's something that we are, we are proud of and, and uh, supportive again of the administration and grateful for the administration and what they're doing and how, like you said, with chips and infrastructure and everything that they're bringing and uh, bringing to the table and allowing us to, to, uh, to be able to work with. And that's something that has, 
uh, been helping a lot of our members for sure, especially the our our Texas Climate Jobs Project. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but that is that is a, a organization that we have that is is a we're looking to do a pro worker pro climate agenda. Well, that can't be very easy in the state of Texas, which is noted for fossil fuels. Uh, why, why don't you give me some details on that? Yeah, we we were able to create this roughly. Uh, two two and a half years ago and be able to you know but we started with one with one employee and now we are up to roughly about 13 and Bo Delp who is our executive director of the Texas Climate Jobs Project has done a great job to to build this organization out and this is something where where it is run I guess you can say by our our advisory board and just to be quick about it not to get too far into the weeds is it is a union led organization so our advisory board for the Texas Climate Jobs Project is made up of of our different affiliated unions throughout the state of Texas. They direct the, the workers and the camp, not the workers, I'm sorry, they direct the campaigns that are happening with, with the Texas Climate Jobs Project. So if it has to deal with mm-hmm. offshore wind or if it has to deal with broadband or if it has to deal with solar or, or anything in that world, it is directed by our advisory board, which it, which are the affiliated unions um, of not all of them, but those that chose to be a part of it and have uh, have invested into it to be part of the Texas Climate Jobs Project. So it is a run organization for sure. Good, good. You got to we'll have to do a follow up on that. Thanks for the uh, the heads up on that. I want to revisit this uh, heat situation here, and uh, the governor signed into law the legislation saying you you can't do these rest breaks, and that happened in June. Now. It doesn't take effect until when, and and what's the game plan here? Once once it does take effect, we yeah no thanks for asking that. We we have actually just we we have we have pushed. There is going to be a special session coming up in October. The governor is is called for another special session, and we just released our we're our uh, our campaign and asking and and with over over a hundred uh, unions and community organizations coming together to sign on to this letter asking the governor to put this to put this on the call to put a rest break a statewide mandate for a rest break on the call and that's something that that is the next step that is what we are going to try to do it is something that that we are again like i said a few minutes ago it's something that we're not going to stop we're not going to stop working on this issue and again i'm sorry our president rick levy uh, deputy director ana gonzalez uh, director of politics emily amps and the rest of the team at the texas afl cio we're going to continue to work and we're going to continue to try to do everything that we can along with our, our, our affiliates and, and our community allies. This is something that we, we believe in. This is something that we are, we are devoted to. And um, we're going to see what the governor is going to do. Um, he, he talks about, he, he talks a good game, but I mean, we need to take care of workers eventually. And this is something again, like, like we were talking about with so many workers dying uh, that what, what you had just sa- said a while ago about, it the the nurses and and the numbers that they came out that it exceeds hurricanes and 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 all the other disasters the heat related deaths and illnesses exceed those numbers that blew me away i didn't know that and that's that's even more fuel i guess you can say to the fire of us working on this issue and that's that is the next step is to get this on to the on to the call that's coming up in october so you uh, also mentioned i guess october is going to be a pretty big month for the texas afl cio now what what's your governor doing with regard to uh to teachers there and uh, education they're pushing for more vouchers like they're uh, like they're doing 
Yeah, yeah. The, he is. Uh, he's pushed, or he's going to be doing this, and the voucher thing didn't go so well for him uh, during the regular session, and and um, that was that was done primarily, and and because of the great work, because of our the the Texas AFT and President Zef Capo and and his team, they they did a, an amazing job to stop this voucher. Uh, this school takeover type uh, program that they are doing or trying to do across the state of Texas. And uh, our, our governor again is going to call for this special session to be in October. um, We're told because he wants school to start. So teachers won't be free to be able to go down to the Capitol. And I think that that shows a little bit of what, what he he is and how he is. Um, But our, our Texas AFT members did a great job in making with thousands upon thousands of phone calls and emails and and just making their voices heard by getting down there during during the session when they could and um, they were able to to stop it. They were able to stop it during the regular session. That's the reason the governor's calling for a special. Boy, you have your hands full down there, Len. My gosh. Well, congratulations on on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that is congratulations. I know you were recently reelected. What is that? A four year term for secretary treasurer there. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we were we were just recently elected, re-elected, I guess, uh, last week at our constitutional convention, and so President Levy and I have uh, have another four-year term, and um, uh, this will be my first full term as Secretary Treasurer of the Texas AFL-CIO, and I am I'm I'm fired up. I'm I'm ready to to continue the work and and to see what we can uh, what we can do. Um, because there's a lot of great opportunity in Texas. There's a lot of organizing. Along with all the bad stuff that's out there, all the bad legislative stuff, workers are organizing. Workers are coming together across the state of Texas. And Texas is a Texas is becoming more and more union. And that is something that we are we are definitely working at the Texas AFL-CIO with our with our organizing department, with our leadership and training training uh, department. We are working to get to workers. <laughs> we are working to talk to every worker that we can and show them the benefits of, of what being a union member is. There you go. All right, for more information, you go to texasaflcio.org, texasaflcio.org, and you can also check them there. Same, Texas AFL-CIO on, uh, on Facebook as well. All right, my brother, you take care, stay safe, stay strong, and stay in touch. And uh, anything, anything that we could do here on America's Workforce, just let us know, because I'll tell you, this show... Like Texas, growing with union membership is growing in listenership. Six months ago, Len, we were in the top 15% of all podcasts. We're now in the top 5% of all podcasts. So the the union message, the worker message is getting out there. So stay strong, okay, brother? Congratulations. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the latest from the Communication Workers of America and the main building trades. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.